Matthew and Alice. That was really special. I'm slightly fragile after that, so I hope the preaching goes well. We're starting a series um, the month of February on biblical wisdom. Um, now, it is, it, is fin- it is funny in many ways um, to preach about wisdom because you need a lot of it when you do preach and one wonders whether it is wise to preach on it. Um, but we feel, in, it, we feel it's inspired and um, therefore we will go for it. I had a few revelations regarding wisdom in this holiday, a couple of scriptures that stood out to me and opened up a few things that wasn't open and I haven't seen before. And uh, the more I started digging, the more I found on wisdom. Usually when you study a specific topic in scripture, there's about 10 or 12 or maybe 20 scriptures that directly addresses it and you can easily build your theology around it if you understand what it means. Um, and if you, if you study it well and see what others have said about it. But wisdom is a, bit, is a bit too much. So I will not be able to share everything with you that's in there. But I hope that I'll be able to stir a hunger in you this month to seek God for this. It's been more than what I would have ever thought. Today we'll do an introduction. Um, I said part one, what is it? What is wisdom? That's a good question to start with, and we'll, we'll just uh, speak a little bit about what it is and what it isn't. And I think, um, I hope it will be as insightful to you as a few of these things was to me. It escalated wonderfully <laughs> as I studied. Father, please, please empower me to speak your word faithfully. And please, God, take our hearts and deliver your word into it, as only you can, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it might be a good idea just to quickly look at the Hebrew and the Greek words that is used in Scripture when we do speak about wisdom. Um, the words translated in Hebrew is chokmah. It's, it's not chokmah. Can you say chokmah? Chokmah. All right. And um, it is, it's the word for wisdom, yes. But wisdom, as we know, they often say it's the application of knowledge, uh, which would be the most uh, simple definition of it, but there's no simple definition to wisdom. But hochmah um, is different from the Greek Sophia, which is a beautiful name for your daughter. But hochmah... Um, It speaks about wisdom, but it leans more towards the practical um, doing of it. So it leans more towards being a skill that you do. So you are, uh, hochmas used in military sense also, military skill um, and and vision and being able to do battle is also called hochmah. So then in the Greek, which we know uh, is much more intellectual um, in their way, in their worldview. Um, the Hebrew is kind of Hebrew is kind of 
a forest and Greek is an orchard. All right. Now our worldview is much more orchardy than the Hebrew that is much more foresty. That maybe helps you to understand it a bit. But <clears throat> Sophia, it's, it, it means the same as Hochmah, but the emphasis from the Greeks was much more on what can be learned and then applied. So what can I learn? What can I, what can I study and apply it? So the emphasis is more towards what can I learn, whereas Hochmah, the emphasis is more towards what can I do. Now, both of these obviously come together beautifully in wisdom because um, wisdom isn't only about knowing but about applying that well. A difference here is also that Hochmah, the origin of Hochmah and Sophia is different in that Hochmah was there with God when he created the earth. And it's, called a, it's a characteristic of God. The, the, its origin is, is God. We'll explore this much more later, I hope, but Scripture says that Christ is the wisdom of God. So it comes from him, therefore it's in... Um, you, we will never be able to understand the full depth of what wisdom is, because it's in him. Whereas Sophia, the origin is in the mind of men. So, so that's maybe slightly different. So then also that's why in the New Testament um, they, they make clear distinction between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, the Sophia of, of, of the world and the Sophia of God. For interest's sake, let's start with some definitions. Um, I thought this to be a quite... Uh, insightful little um, quote in exploring a definition of wisdom and uh, the very important distinction that there is between knowledge and wisdom. And um, when I thought about the distinction between knowledge and wisdom, in my mind, knowledge was a very, a, a very cold and calculated kind of almost data, I want to say. I thought of, of knowledge as data. But then when you think about a beautiful revelation you received from the Lord um, a, that is applicable to your or someone else's life in a wonderful and beautiful way, we would often be less inclined to call that knowledge and say, well, it's, it's a wonderful insight from the Lord. It's more wisdom. You know, When I would share that with you, you'd say, wow, that's so wise. But that is also knowledge. It's still in the knowledge box. It's something you can know and understand, even if it's beautiful and divine. It becomes wisdom, and you would be wise if you would do that. All right? This guy said, knowledge is, knowledge sees the quicksand, wisdom walks around it. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments, wisdom obeys them. Knowledge learns of God. Wisdom loves him. Um, if we would not know, and this is maybe a what, beautiful thing, and we'll explore this more as well, but you could ask God for wisdom. So even you without knowledge could receive wisdom from God even without knowing. But the one who does not know and then acts on the fact that he doesn't know is almost almost better off. It's almost, he's, he's, he's almost higher on the wisdom scale than the man who knows. 
but who doesn't do? It's almost like the saying of saying it's, there's no difference between the man who cannot read and the one who doesn't. But yet this ultimate foolishness of knowing but not being able to, as the Lord just ministered to our hearts in the worship, this is our condition. We know but cannot do. And sometimes when we try really hard and accomplish it, then uh, we feel now I can do. And we become wise in our own sight. And Scripture calls such a man the worst of them all. He says there's no hope for such a man. Um, but the one who, um, I lost my train of thought there because I just thought I didn't want to quote that scripture now. That scripture is for next week and now I quoted it. So now I don't know what I'm going to do next week. But we can just explore it more next week, okay? Repetition is good. But that threw me off completely. Um, was it wise to share that? Wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> All right, what's, what's helpful maybe for us is to, as we start, un- we slow, we're slowly unpacking, okay? Slowly unpacking a few concepts that I hope would build this construct in your mind. Um, but we'll have to look at the difference between biblical and worldly wisdom, because in our context, the word wisdom is easily thrown around, and it means a very cold, logical conclusion, like... It is wise to have insurance. We would, use, we would say, but I also have to be, I cannot just follow Jesus radically, I have to also be wise. All right? We use it in that context, and then that wisdom, it could be wisdom, but it might also not be wisdom. But that kind of wisdom is worldly wisdom, which isn't necessarily always bad, but it's probably not ideal. Okay? <laughs> So we have to be careful when we use this word wisdom to not make it less than what it is. And it is a glorious, beautiful, and, and inexhaustible attribute of God. And not mere logic that I apply to my life so that it will work better. Okay? So, let's look at a few distinctions between biblical and worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom knows that there are natural laws, all right? If I save more, I'll have more. If I drop the ball, it falls, okay? Just the way things work. Biblical wisdom understands that there are eternal spiritual laws that are contrary to some natural laws. Some of them are the same. If you drop the ball, it'll still fall, but... It says the one is more blessed who gives than who receives. And it says that when you sow, you will reap. So it is better for your investment strategy to give away than to hoard up. All right? That is a difference. Natural laws versus spiritual laws. Natural law would definitely not adhere to sayings of Jesus like, Lose your life if you want to find it. But anyone who seeks to save his life will lose it. That's not, na- that's, uh, that's not true within the natural worldview. But there are spiritual laws that dictate what biblical wisdom is. And that sometimes seems like foolishness to the world, which we'll also get to. And the other way around. Next one is, what is 
what is good for me. So worldly wisdom would say I need to make the right decision so that my life would be good, and that's not bad. But that's the end game for a natural man is a good life, whereas the end of a spiritual man is the glory of God and eternity, a God we do not fully comprehend and will never be able to, and in eternity, that's the same. We will never be able to fully understand, but yet we can, when we learn biblical wisdom, understand that that is the end of it, is to the glory of God and not my, my own good, um, therefore it's different. Next one, worldly wisdom is much more comfortable with insightful words and like to call that wisdom. Whereas biblical knowledge says it's a deed that you have done. One of the Hebrew sages said that if anyone, anyone whose deeds exceed his wisdom, his wisdom is enduring. But anyone whose wisdom, his thoughts and his words, exceed his deeds, his wisdom is not endearing. Wisdom would be known by its, um, by its children, Jesus said. So wisdom is the act of, of, of applying knowledge not only in your mind to know how to apply, but that you are actually applying it. That would be the wise man. That's why the, the, there's, there's a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit called words of wisdom. That's a spiritual gift. It's not called wisdom. It's called words of wisdom because it's only the words that you share with someone. It's not wisdom, although wisdom is also a gift. We'll speak about that later as well. But, but, but words of wisdom is specifically called words of wisdom because it's not wisdom because wisdom is much more than that. It's something you do. And not only something you know and understand. Um, we are often satisfied when, for example, we would, um, we would get the desire to read scripture more. And then someone would teach us how to do that. And our understanding now of how to do that would satisfy us so much that we know exactly now how we've received the wisdom of how to study scripture but we haven't been wise and actually studied it. But we are often satisfied at that point that we do not yet, we, we do not go over because it feels really nice to receive words of wisdom, but it must still become wisdom. All right. So um, fear, another one that differentiates fear for the future versus the fear of God. Now you'd all be able to quote the scripture and we won't go to that scripture this week. We'll work through that scripture but um, worldly wisdom is based on the fear of the future, whereas the, big, the wisdom of, of the wisdom of the Bible says that it begins by the fear of the Lord. That's a radical difference. After you've had a session with your financial planner, fear for the future has been installed in you. What will you do if? Well, you cannot determine whether if that, I mean, it would be terrible if that would happen, wouldn't it? Oh, I have, to, I have to be wise and respond to the fear that's just been instilled in me. I'm not saying do not have insurance. I'm not that guy. 
I'm saying there can be a very good way and a very bad way for you to arrive at the conclusion. For instance, fear of the future versus the fear of God. And then um, worldly wisdom says that you can be wise. You can learn through experience and skill. You can become wise. Exercise your mind. Learn everything there is to learn. Apply it while you would be wise. Whereas biblical wisdom says this is not ever owned by anyone. But is always a gift from God. It's his attribute that he shares with us. Awesome, hey? The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. All right, so that's a few distinctions between biblical and worldly wisdom to start off with. Now I just want to give you a little um, taste into the wisdom books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Those three are called the wisdom books. And it is incredibly beautiful if you would start studying them, not for what they specifically say in the detail, but for what they represent as a whole. Because um, the, you know, if if you'd only look at one of them and say well, this is the wisdom of God, then you would miss out on the full on the full picture of what He's saying regarding wisdom. I'll be very brief on this because I want to dig into something else. But if you want to go st- uh, study wisdom, though those of those three books are called the. Um, Wisdom books. In Proverbs, it says that you will be blessed if you live well. And this is the way God would like you to live well. This is a good way to live. These are things that God loves and hates. And this is how it plays out for the man who would live by them. Okay? This is how it works in life. And then it says a lot of beautiful things. Um, in Proverbs, but more, it's it. One shouldn't see them as promises as much as you see them as probabilities. The chances are that when you, you will most likely, I mean, when you work really hard, you would most likely have enough to eat. If you do not ever work, then you will most likely not have enough to eat. I mean, that's just how it works. And Proverbs is optimistic in its view on this. Live this way, life will be good. But you can't only read that. Why? Because life doesn't always work that way. That's where Ecclesiastes comes in, saying, nah, it's not always that simple. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And it's all just... It's all just meaningless, really. You know, this, this, you will face the same, the same fate as the, the righteous and the wicked will all, all die. Worms will eat you. It's all over, you know. He gets very pessimistic on this, saying that it doesn't always work that way. And we need to know that. Otherwise, we would go through the world wide-eyed, and then at some stage we would be... Um, What's the word? Disillusioned. 
So what's interesting is that Proverbs says, it shouts, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's it. And how does Ecclesiastes, after they've now explored everything, and see this doesn't always go that well, but then they make the argument and it ends with, this is the end of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. And then we go from bad to worse. Job. Now here, a righteous man receives incredible suffering. And I say receive, it's inflicted on him by a Satan. And even allowed by God. Very specifically, allowed by God. It seems like the most unjust thing ever. What kind of a God would allow that? But if we do not have the book of Job, we wouldn't be able to navigate through these things because life holds them. It's the way it works. And we can argue about the what's and the why's and the if's, but that's the truth of the matter. It comes out very bad sometimes. I don't know if you read about that little boy in Morocco that fell down the well. Um, what was it? 30 meters down and he, and he got stuck and he was still alive and they started digging with excavators. They started like digging. The whole world was looking at this. And now this morning I read that they actually got him out, but he died. I mean, that's just horrible. He, he, he was with his dad and then he fell down the wall. It's like, that's, it's like a Job moment. It happens and it will happen and it can happen to anyone regardless of how good you are. The thing is that Scripture warns us and says it could happen. What's the end of the matter? While well, God explains to him his glory and his plan and about the fact that Job in his... He, with all of his friends, they tried to figure out what the answer was and why and why and why. And there was no why that could satisfy. But all God said is, you, you, can't, you don't have my thoughts. You don't understand who I am. You can never, ever fully grasp everything that I can. I am God. What an incredible journey from Proverbs. Do good and feel good to Job, and within that one finds such depth of wisdom. I'll drop it right there for now. The wisdom of God is, is, is incredible. Now I want to show you something and read you something that I think is very beautiful. And that was one of the most profound revelations that I have had in years, I would say. Well, I'm the judge, am I not? All right, so I'm going to read to you the whole of Proverbs 8. Are, are you ready? On my next point now. I'm going to read the whole of Proverbs 8. And I'm reading from the ESV. It would be great if you could join me. Then the chances of more of it sticking is good. So if you can take out your phone or your Bible or whatever and you pick the ESV version. Um, I don't have it on the screen because it's just way too much to get onto the slides. It would have taken me half an hour just to 
more than half an hour just to get them on there. All right, we're ready. Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Besides the gates in front of the, of the, of the um, town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And then the proverbial wisdom speaks. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasures. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the mountains, the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the seas its limits, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was his daily delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me Love, death.
I am introducing wisdom to you. And she's a lady, by the way. Did you pick it up? She's a lady. I thought of asking Sarah to read this whole part, but I thought of it too late. and would have been, So I, it would have been better if she could have said, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find knowledge and discretion. <laughs> For more reason than one, that would have been... So I, I, I just want you to know that she is a lady. And without digging into too much of this, um, it's interesting to see that by this lady, by this lady king's reign, by this lady rulers decree what is just, and princes rule, and all nobles who govern justly, those who lead and who govern according to God's way, govern by her. Why is it a her? I started wondering. I started wondering and I started making a list of the attributes that wisdom, that, that throughout Proverbs, all the words that they use like prudence and the hand of, or hand of the diligent and the, um, the meek and the humble. And something struck me about the characteristics of these, well, the sum of the characteristics of these attributes that wisdom has. And then I remembered the last proverb, Proverbs 31, about the virtuous wife, right? And I listed the attributes of the virtuous wife, and all of them are reiterated many times throughout the book of Proverbs and is then attributed to this incredible woman. And I thought, this is interesting, that so many feminine attributes, not female, feminine attributes, is assigned to wisdom. And then I remembered something else. James chapter 3. You remember? It says, the wisdom from above is first what? Is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. It is beautiful. Let's call them meek qualities. It is distinctly feminine qualities. Versus, if you would look at what masculine qualities are. Hold on. And then I thought of King Solomon. Just after he asked God for wisdom, the first act of wisdom he performed was that he discerned the heart of, he discerned the, heart of the mother who came with him with the little baby and the, the, the two women and both said it's that child, but the one was evil and just wanted to bring destruction on the, fa- on the family whose actual child it was. And uh, she thought that he would be like any other masculine um, king. And she said, and, 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 and he knew that, but he also knew the heart of the mother. And he just received wisdom, lady wisdom. And he said, but let's just cut this 
baby in half, which seems like a very Old Testament king thing to say. And the evil one said, that would solve the problem. And the other one said, rather give the child to her than to cut it in half. And he said, it's yours. Obviously, it's your child. He discerned the heart of the mother. In the world we live in, we, we, we read about things like toxic masculinity, blah, 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 blah. And a lot, a lot of the time, I'm, I mean, I despise the woke agenda with everything that it holds, to be very blunt. But they're playing on something that's real. Men that wants to lead must learn from Lady Wisdom how they should behave. And so in the world we hear this thing often of we need more female leaders. We need female leaders. Yes, we do if the men wouldn't lead by wisdom. If men wouldn't lead, men have their masculinity. They've, in general, it's more men have masculinity as their default. And in general, more ladies have femininity as their default. It's not a rule, but it's, that's why it's called that. It's just how it is. If men want to learn how to, how to govern, they should adopt Lady Wisdom. Because it's by her only that you can rule justly. And ladies, do not throw away your inherent femininity when you lead. And pretend like you have to be more masculine in order to make it in that, in that space. It's false. This is beautiful. Jesus, how did Jesus come? Having all power. He said, I'm humble. I'm gentle. I'm humble. I came to serve. I didn't enforce anything on anyone. Interesting. The image of God we know is both male and female. And it's a very uh, interesting thought how that would be. But if you see wisdom dancing around him while he creates the world and you read what wisdom is like, you start to see how it is very much a part of who he is and that male and female were made into his image. And isn't it the way of God and the wisdom of God that for a husband... To lead his wife well, he would have to be more like her. <laughs> How humbling is that for the man? And for the woman to submit to the man that should lead her in the way that she's actually most of the time much more equipped in than him. That's the way of God. That's mysterious. That's glorious. He doesn't allow us to become arrogant kings. So we see from this, and apart from the fact that I want to call your hearts towards this, because my heart has been called towards this, because wisdom seemed like a, a cold, and to be honest, a very masculine concept in my mind. And it's one of the most beautiful scripts speak about the meekness of wisdom. Only by that, O oh, kings, will you be able to rule justly on this earth.
then we see from this, what's clear from this, is that wisdom is so much more than the definition of what to do with the knowledge I have. It is even, and it might even be more how you do life than what you do. Oh, how I need wisdom for my decision. Yes, but real wisdom has characteristics. That's why it is personified in Scripture. It's personified as a lady with characteristics. You want wisdom? It's a how. It's a way of life. And I think it's beautiful. And I think be very careful of the wisdom of one who acts without the traits of wisdom. Be very careful of one who acts without the traits of wisdom. Their words can be incredible. Their plans can be fantastic. But to be pure and peaceable and gentle and submissive and full of mercy, impartial and sincere. If I meet such a man, humble, broken in, I almost want to say, in meekness, not knowing everything, even if you do, like Jesus did. I discern such a person to maybe have some wisdom. So, true wisdom is an attribute of God. Remember that we can never own, but always get. And we can grow in the characteristics of it. I want to say this because it is like this. It is distinctly feminine in nature and available to all who seek her. I hope this has been helpful for you in starting to explore what wisdom is and what it is not. And um, I think it also said a few things in a, in a few ways that you might not have heard before. And that's the same for me. But I do see the wisdom of God in what I have found in this Ochmah that rejoiced with him um, when he created the world and that makes herself available to anyone who might have need of her. Father, I pray that you would drop many of these concepts and words into our hearts and our minds so that can, we can mull it over and be washed by a word. I pray, God, that you would prepare us for the rest of this series. And even though we're a young congregation, thank you that you say that anyone that lacks wisdom can ask. And I pray that there would be an impartation in us because of this. And that we would walk away from worldly wisdom. A cold wisdom. A fear for the future wisdom. 
but that we would embrace this meek wisdom, this quiet wisdom, obedient wisdom, and that we would grow in the fear of God in order to obtain this wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's, let's um, Matthew, if you could maybe come up. I think it would be good for us to respond to the Lord in this, to bring our hearts before Him, specifically because He says you can ask me for this. But then I want you to know what you're asking for and what you're not asking for. Um, so we'll sing one song. But I want you to just do business with the Lord while we do that. And then we'll close the service afterwards. You can sit or stand or lie on the floor or do whatever you want.